two of Paul's letters, the epistles. One is Romans, and then the second is from Ephesians. Just while you're turning there, next Saturday we've got cream teas here to celebrate the Queen's birthday. They'll be nice. And there's a big party in the street, I think. Yeah. Say again. We think there's it, unless it rains. In which case, the party's in here. So, if uh, Romans five, Paul writes, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, But we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's a bit of a wow few verses. And here's another one, Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in in, in Ephesus, in the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory." And you also were included in Christ when you heard the gospel of truth of your salvation. Sorry, the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, which you believed when you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I remember reading those uh, probably for the first time when I started to read the Bible, and, and they just seemed very complicated. <laughs> there are lots in it, and there is. But they're so full of, of so wonderful truths. Jesus, uh, before us, are signs and symbols, testaments and means of grace, bread and wine. I pray that in this time as we talk and listen, as we chew and swallow, as we think and as we digest physical foods and spiritual food, that you would build us and speak to us and grace us again with your love and power. Amen. Amen. There's a, a book on my bookshelf, and the title of the book is Given for You, and it's a book about communion. And it, uh, it talks in many ways about many different aspects, the history of this meal, starting with Jesus as the foundation point of, uh, from the Passover into the Last Supper, the New Covenant, and onwards into the love meal, and, and how this meal has been celebrated in so many places, and in so many ways. And, uh, and it's also caused a lot of controversy in lots of places, and lots of ways. I was hearing a, a Radio 4 program um, this week, In Our Time, you know that one? Thursday morning, Melvin Bragg. Some of them are just beyond me. This one was a, a really interesting lady. Called, I think she's called Margaret somebody. Did anyone hear that? No, it's on iPlayer, uh, catch up. But she was a, a mystic. And, uh, but she, was, um, she had visions of Jesus. But one of the things that they didn't like her very much for lots of reasons, um, but one of the things they interviewed her about when she was in different places, and in Leicester she nearly went to jail, and I was kind of interested in that. They interviewed her about her understanding of this of whether it was the true presence of Jesus or not. And uh, kind of the program went on. But when I was thinking about communion tonight, there was this given for you and this sense of, of the immense love of God in given for you. That we can get hung up and caught up and in all sorts of ways. But in essence, this is such a strong testimony of given for us. A dramatic sign that has been uh, celebrated in, in great company of hundreds as well as on your own. I remember reading uh, Terry Waite when he was a hostage in, uh, in Beirut. In his cell for three years, he would have a little bit of bread and water and celebrate communion. It matters. It matters a whole bunch. Bill Johnson, in, in one of his books, says, The impulse that drives the life of the believer isn't the need to perform for God, but to commune with him. Not to perform, but to commune. The reminder that we're, we're drawn back because of invitation, that he, he gave himself for us and invites us to draw near, invites us in, invites us with a welcome. One of the, the, the things that particularly 
I, uh, I always remember in both of these passages that I read is that sense of being chosen, that sense uh, of adoption, that sense that, that God, before the creation of the world, chose us, predestined us, adopted us into his family. While we were still enemies and far away from God, he chose us. It's amazing to think of. The, the first inclination of the believer is not to prove ourselves to God, but to commune with him. The reminder at this table that, that we, we, we don't have to pretend, we don't have to prove, we don't have to big ourselves up, we don't have to puff ourselves up and say, aren't we good? But the reminder that while we were still cinemas, cinemas, sinners, in fact, enemies of God, he loved us. So many times as Christians, we, we kind of draw back from this place and think, I've let God down, and yes, we have. And this is a meal of, of rescue, of reminder uh, of that we are drawn back. But we, that verse in, in, um, in Romans is so amazing when we think about it. While we were still enemies, I mean, what is an enemy? Someone who wants to harm you, someone who is dead set against you. It's not that you're just like fallen out like teenagers. Can always, you know, it, actually an enemy is, is in the sense of, of Paul writing, is someone at loggerheads in complete hostility, in opposition to, dead set against, hostile in every way, totally at odds with. And God says, while we were in that condition, whilst we were so two fingers up to God, I won't do it because I'll get a letter or an email, but while we were so like that, God chose us, God loved us, God reached out to us and said, I chose you, I predestined you, I so wanted you to come into my family that he was willing to die and sacrifice himself in order to achieve that to reconcile us with God. It wasn't our initiative. It wasn't our doing. It wasn't our first thought. It was his. While we were enemies. And this meal is, is open to anyone that loves the Lord. And, uh, and, and we always kind of make the assumption that, well, I'm not making the assumption, but we always make this offer in a service. If you don't believe in Jesus, make this an opportunity, a moment where you turn to him afresh. For the first time and say, I, I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. You died for me. But for, for many of us who would call ourselves and profess Jesus as Lord, the reminder that, you know, does God love me? Yes. Of course he does. If he loved you when you were an enemy, of course he loves you now when you're a friend. A child of God, that's the right and the privilege that we're, we're, we are born into, we're chosen into, we're adopted into. To be his family, to be his children, no longer enemies at hostility and at loggerheads, but now welcomed in. No longer enemies, but friends. How much more, if that isn't a kind of mystery to contemplate, must he love us? before us if he was for us when we were enemies how much more so to speak is he for us as friends as children of God as those who have responded in faith given for us the impulse that drives the life of the believer isn't the need to perform for God but to commune with him it isn't 
I've let God down, and oh, I've, and we do let God down. But, but so often, as you know, we, we may enter in through the doorway of grace, but then we, we seem to think we have to walk through the gate of works all the time as Christians. Of course, we want to love him and honor him and please him and obey all that he asks. And of course, we know that we, we stumble and fall. But this meal is a reminder he's, he was given for us. And that grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, we are welcome. We are welcome. No need to perform. No need to hide. No need to stand at the back reluctantly and thinking, it's not for me. It is. Because he was given for us. One of the other things I love in this, in this passage, not only in Romans, but in Ephesians, just a, a couple more thoughts, that we're adopted into his family. I think it was um, Heidi Baker who I heard once speak on these things, and she, she was saying about how adoption is such a profound symbol of the gospel. Because we're all born... And we're all, most of us are born into to families where we're welcomed and cherished and loved, but there are some who aren't blessed with that stable, secure family, and we call them orphans. But she was saying, as, as someone who's adopted hundreds of, of children in Mozambique, adoption is, is such a wonderful sign of the gospel because... Each particular child is, I chose you because I want you. You matter. It wasn't just an accident. It wasn't just a function of biology and birth. And I'm sure many of our parents wanted us. I'm not implying anything by that. But adoption particularly says, you were not part of this. But with specificity and engagement and desire, one is chosen and belongs. Not because of any merit other than the desire and the choice of the parent. The love, the risk, the mighty love. I came across this story of, of someone adopted and, and I, I share it with a reminder as we come to the meal to eat. A young woman told her story. She said, I'd been living in foster care since I was two. My real mummy couldn't give my five sisters and me the care we needed. Since we didn't have a dad or anyone to care for us, we were put into foster homes, and I felt lonely and confused. I didn't know how to tell people that I hurt inside, so throwing a tantrum was the only way I knew how to express my feelings. Because I acted up, eventually my current foster mum sent me back to the adoption agency just as the foster mum before had done. I thought that I was the most unlovable girl in the world. Then I met Kate. I was seven by that time and living with my third foster family when she came to visit. When my foster mother told me that Kate was single and wanted to adopt a child. I didn't think she'd choose me. I couldn't imagine anyone who'd want to live with them, live with them forever. That day, Kate took me to a farm 
We had fun, but I didn't think I'd see her again. A few days later, a social worker came to the house to say that Kate wanted to adopt me. Then she asked me if I would mind living with one parent instead of two. All I want is someone who loves me, I said. Kate visited the next day. She explained that it would take a year for the adoption to be finalized, but I could move in with her soon. I was excited, but afraid too. Kate and I were total strangers. I wondered if she would change her mind once she got to know me. Kate sensed my fear. I know you've been hurt, she said, hugging me. I know you're scared, but I promise I'll never send you away. We're a family now. When I moved in with my new mother, I only had a few clothes I brought in a brown paper bag. Don't worry, Mum said. I'll buy you lots of pretty new things. I went to sleep that night feeling safe. I prayed I wouldn't have to leave. Mum did lots of nice things for me. She took me to church. She let me have pets, and she gave me riding lessons and piano lessons. And every day she told me she loved me. But that wasn't enough to heal the hurt inside me. I kept waiting for her to change her mind. I thought, if I act bad enough, she'll leave me like the others. So I tried to hurt her before she could hurt me. I picked fights over little things and threw tantrums when I didn't get my way. I slammed doors. If mum tried to stop me, I'd hit her. But she never lost her patience. She'd hug me and say she loved me anyway. Because I was failing in school when I came to live with her, mum was very strict about my homework. One day while I was watching TV, she came in and turned it off. You can watch it after you've done your homework, she said. I blew up. I picked up my books and I threw them across the room. I hate you and I don't want to live here anymore, I screamed. I waited for her to tell me to start packing. When she didn't, I asked, aren't you going to send me back? She said, I don't like the way you're behaving, but I will never send you back. We're a family, and families don't give up on each other. Then it struck me. This mum was different. She wasn't going to get rid of me. She really did love me. And I realized I loved her too. I cried, and I hugged her. Today, she says, I'm 16. I'm getting great results at school. I've got a horse named Daggers Point, four cats, a dog, six doves, and a bullfrog. And I have a dream. I have a dream to be a vet. When I'm older, I'd like to get married and have kids, but if that doesn't work out, I'll adopt just as my mummy did. I'll pick a scared, lonely kid and then never, ever give up on her. I'm so glad mum didn't give up on me. Wow. A glimpse into the Father heart of God. A glimpse into this meal of remembrance, of thanksgiving, testimony given for you, given for me. That as we drink it and eat it, as we do this month in, month out, in big gatherings and small, while we were still enemies of God, he chose us. He loves us. 
In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Loving Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this meal. Thank you that we are welcome. Thank you that this is a channel, a means of grace. And I pray that for each one of us, the reminder that we don't have to perform or achieve a standard to impress you or to kind of make a grade or get the cut or we're not going to be buzzed off and rejected. You are here. And we are here. Thank you that each one of us has been adopted by you. Desired and chosen. That you've reached out, called us by name. And that you'll never ever give up on us. Thank you that your love is life-transforming. Fill us afresh with your love. Fill us afresh with the amazement of thanksgiving. And please, as you send us out shortly, the confidence, the courage to look other people in the eye and say, come and, and join this most amazing family. A father... We've only just begun to be able to describe. But let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about his son. And let me tell you about how we know him through his spirit. We receive, not because we must, but because we may. We receive because it's the Father's intention. Draw near in faith. May the peace of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the abounding love and power of God be at work in our lives afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. But on the night that he was betrayed,